0: Good morning. This morning is Ascension Sunday, uh, the Sunday before we celebrate Pentecost, which is next week, the coming of the Holy Spirit. This is the last uh, event in the physical um, ministry of Jesus here with the disciples. So I want to read uh, Acts chapter 1, verses 1 uh, through 11. In the first book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus did and taught from the beginning until the day. When he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While staying with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promise of the Father. This, he said, is what we have heard what you have heard from me for John baptized with water but you will be baptized with the holy spirit not many days from now so when they had come together they asked him lord is this the time when you will restore the kingdom of israel he replied it's not for you to know the times or the periods that the father has set up his own by his own authority but you will receive power been taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we praise you and thank you for your word and what it means to us. And invite you to be at work among us and pray that all that is said and shared be for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this is one of those events in Scripture. Well, the church celebrates it. But it's a little—it's a little difficult. It's—it's it's one of those things that's—it's kind of strange. The idea of of Jesus, uh, you know, ascending and lifting up in the cloud, and you know, kind of gives the image. If you've ever seen that, the, you know, the musical Cats at the end, where the older cat kind of raises up, and you're thinking, is that—is that what it was like? You know, is, is that what it was? supposed to be—is that what happened? It's—it's it's a little strange. And it is strange to us, and it takes some creativity and imagination to, to think about what they may have experienced. But I also want us this morning to think about what is being said here in the text, what Luke is saying about Jesus and the disciples and what it means. So I want to just dive into what's being talked about here in the beginning of Acts First, he says uh, that to remember what he had already written. Now, Luke is the same writer of the Gospel of Luke. It's attributed to Luke. Uh, we, we usually say, let's say Luke. Um, I, I won't get into the reasons why this morning. But the person that wrote Acts is also the same person that wrote the Gospel of Luke. And so here he's saying, you know, remember what I already wrote to you. And Theophilus. It's probably the name of a person. It also means friend of God. So a person he's writing to, but also writing to the friends of God. So here's this message. He says, remember what I wrote before in the gospel, all that Jesus had done before he was was taken up. And here he then talks about the fact that, that Jesus appeared among them for forty days. Now, when it says forty days, it's all this imagery and and the ideas Old Testament of you know, forty days that Jesus was in the desert being tested. There's Old Testament image of the forty years of wandering in the wilderness of the nation of Israel. There's a, a lot of mentions of, of forty days, the forty days of of raining in the story of Noah. Forty days. It's it's a long period of time. It's to connect and bring these ideas that often in those 40-day moments, the wilderness moments, those desert moments, it's where there's questioning that goes on. It's where there's uncertainty. It's, but it is also where God does the most work in our lives. And we've talked about that before. So that idea, he taught them for 40 days, was with them for 40 days, sharing with them a message, and he taught them. Now, the question then is, what did he teach them? Well, it says in the text, what he taught them, what he was shared with them, what he spoke to them about was the kingdom of God. Now, the kingdom of God is a central theme in all of the Gospels. The kingdom of God um, can be interchanged with the kingdom of heaven. But speaking and talking about the, the kingdom and sharing about the kingdom Now, one of the things here we need to remember is he has just connected them and told them to remember all that he wrote before, which happens to be the entire gospel of of Luke, Luke's gospel. Now, if you read that gospel, the kingdom of God is a major theme. But one of the things that Jesus teaches in, in Luke's gospel, it's in chapter 17, is where Jesus says, to some Pharisees that began questioning about when is the time of the kingdom going to come? When is the, And Jesus says, the kingdom's not something that's going to come and you're going to see it over here, over there, going to show up. It is where Jesus says the kingdom of God is in you, also among you. And he goes on to talk about there will be this final culmination of the kingdom of of everything coming together in a final time. But you won't he says it then, but you won't know when that will be. Do I want us to understand some of what we kind of miss in this passage. And this idea that, you know heaven is this place we're gonna go. And and, and yes, there is this eternal aspect. But sometimes we we get caught up in this this thinking that, well, you know, we gather and worship and we remind one another what Jesus did to us, so someday he's going to come and take us to, to be with him in heaven or go to heaven. That's not, that's not really the core idea here. Uh, that the Hebrew thinking about the, the kingdom of God know there was the kingdom of Israel and God reigning and ruling there but the kingdom of God God's reign and rule this idea of the kingdom of heaven this where God reigns and then here we are on the earth there is this concept and I love the way N.T. Wright talks about this you know google it and listen to him he'll he'll do better than I do but he, he, this idea that they're connected that they're interlocking, that God breaks in, that God is at work among us, that Jesus almost there in Luke's gospel reminding these Pharisees of what they know. There is this place that the kingdom of this world and the kingdom of God, that they're connected. And in multiple ways, God shows up here, God calls Abraham, God does things in the Old Testament, but that, that mindset is that they're connected, they're at work. God is at work among us. But sometimes we in the Western world, Western Christianity, have kind of taken more of a Greco-Roman thinking about heaven as this place like the, the, the Romans thought that, you know, Elysium, that we're going to go when you die in this. But really the, the, the biblical Old Testament thinking of this kingdom, of God's reign and rule, is that It's interconnected. And actually, the point, the place where it is most connected, where heaven and or the kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven, that idea, God's reign and rule, God's presence, where that meets earth, where it meets our lives and our world, where they connect most tangibly and really connect, was in the temple. That's where the two met. And God is at work in all kinds of places and at work among us. And, and that was the idea But where it really meets. It, it was this deeper thought, this deeper thinking than, you know, they went to the temple to, to remember what God had done or this temple to, to remind them of where God was or to remind them or to be symbols of heaven. That's not really it. I mean, there is the idea in the temple, heaven and earth meet. The Shekinah glory of God is is showing, and in the Holy of Holies is the mercy seat. That's the throne of God when God shows up in the Holy of Holies. This idea is where it meets. That's why for the Israelite to, to go and to worship at the temple, to connect to the temple, to bring things to the temple, to return back to the temple, was so important. But Jesus has taught in Luke's gospel. The kingdom, the kingdom of God's not some place that we're going to go visit or some moment that's going to show up over here. It's the kingdom of God is at work. Right here among us. It is in you. It is where we call God king. Surrender to his lordship and his leading and that's the desire God has wanted. So what's the deeper idea here as we think about what, what Jesus is then going to go on and tell the disciples and what they're about doing? It's one of the things you know, Paul writes, which the writings of Paul have all been written and, and, and recorded at the time Luke writes this in Acts. But Paul talks about us of being the temple. And not just individually, but also us corporately as the body of Christ being the temple, meaning the kingdom of God is in you and you become the place where heaven and earth meet. This idea, and I've said it before, this, we, we sometimes get caught up in this thinking that, uh, again, it's about getting us to heaven. You know, let's just celebrate and remember what Jesus did to, to die for our sins so we get to go to heaven one day. That's not really the biblical idea. Actually, scripturally, and, and more the thinking is getting heaven or the kingdom of God or God's work or presence in you right now. And that if the temple was the place where heaven and earth met and was a testimony and a significant offering to the world, guess what? That means here, pulling from what he has already taught in Luke about the kingdom and to continue to teach about the kingdom, he said, you, you individually and you corporately as the disciples, as the followers of Christ, as the body of Christ, become the place where it meets, become where people can see the kingdom connecting. It is, it is in, in you, among you when we call him Lord and when we surrender to it and when we follow. That Jesus died really to pay the price for our sin so that the Holy Spirit can work in us. I mean, that's back to the Garden of of Eden concept of walking with us in the cool of the day. Gets to the, the revelation concept of no need for a temple because God will just walk among us. This idea that Jesus pays the price for our sin so that Spirit can work in us. God can work in us. And that becomes the point and place of the kingdom here at work. And that's what we become witnesses to. To where that is a significant thing. And that's partly why Jesus orders them to wait in Jerusalem. You know, you can't be the connection the, the, the place to, to be where God is at work, where you see heaven and earth come together and interconnect, if you're only one-sided. I mean, you, you can't do that without the heaven part, the God part, the, the, the presence of Jesus part being at work in us. That's why Jesus orders them. He says he ordered them to wait in Jerusalem for the promise that the Father had made. And it's the promise of Jesus' spirit among us. You see, it in John's gospel, when he talks about, got to, I'm going to go. You're going to want me to go. I need to go. Because in his physical presence, he could just be with here, there, and yonder with group, one group at a time. But as he goes and sends his spirit, he can work in and among the body of Christ and all of its diversity and all of its places and people. That's what you see happen in the books book of Acts. The Spirit begins to break out all over the place. But he tells them to go and wait, and it is a significant command. I mean, Jesus often gives commandments, gives teaching in, you know, the Sermon on the Mount, and that we need to, to do these. Or in John's Gospel, he'll say, you know, here's the command, love one another, and if you love me, you'd keep my commandments. Here it's there's not really a an encouraging to do it. It's not really, maybe you want to do it, or it would be really good to do it, or if you love me, you'll do it. He. It says in the text, he orders them. I mean, it is a strong word. It is to order them. He orders them to wait in Jerusalem for the Spirit. Because the truth is, there's no way they could do it. In all of our good attempts and all of our tries and all of our, our stuff that we are going to do, it can't be what's really meant to be. What the witness is really supposed to look like, where the kingdom is really at work, without the kingdom part of the Spirit, you can't do it without the Holy Spirit and God's presence at work. So he orders them to wait. On the spirit because he says, yes John baptized you with water, the baptism of repentance and it's repentance and then Jesus is able to wash away the sin because of what he has done, the death and the cross, the resurrection but the whole point, everything pointed to then the baptism what he says the baptism of the spirit of then being washed and present and the spirit working in you. So he tells them all that, and it's it's powerful stuff. The connection is in them and what they're going to do and orders them to wait, and they can't do it without God's Spirit. And then what is their response? I think it's our age-old problem, and we've talked about it before. But you just see it over and over and over, and Scripture goes all the way back to the beginning. They then say, when, when they gathered together, all right, Jesus, is now the time that you're gonna restore the kingdom of Israel? They're still thinking in terms of what they had been waiting for, for hundreds of years, which was Israel to, to overthrow whoever was oppressing them. At this time, it's the Romans, and put them back on top and restore the kingdom of the nation of Israel. And now is the time they, they, they obviously figured it out that it wasn't earlier because Jesus died. There was, no, there was no uprising. They didn't take over Rome. But now they're saying, is now the time? We are so, we, we so have a tendency to fall into our own plans and our own thinking and our own assumptions of what it is that we think God is doing or that God should do in our world. It's one of the hardest things to get past. I mean, I still struggle with it. You you can't almost can't help it. It's in the back of your mind. You know, you'll be thinking, "Well, you know, I did this thing. I I was faithful in this way. So, you know, if I was God, then this is what I would do." So we think I was faithful here, God. So now you should do this, God. Are you going to do that now? And as I've said before, it doesn't. It doesn't work that way. That's not what it's about we can get bogged down in what we want God to do, what we think God is going to do, into our own uh, programs and our own initiatives and our own plans and sometimes miss it. It's not that our initiatives and programs and plans are are bad or wrong, but, but it's not really the fullness of what God wants us to be and to do. Because, you know, he doesn't really answer their question. They ask, is this when you're going to restore Israel? And he just says, that's not for you to know. You're not going to know the time. You're not going to know the season. You're not going to know. You're not going to figure it out. You're not always going to know. I'm doing. Now that seems to be different than what we talked about last week in John's Gospel. One of the things that was where our joy comes from is that we have access to the Father and are told that we are. There is, a, there is a level of unveiling of the truth and you see it in all the Gospels and you see it in Acts. That there is a bigger mission and there is there's an enemy that wants to steal, kill, and destroy and we become part of the battle and the battle is how we love one another and how we share this. And he, he goes on to say that it's about being witnesses being an, an, a tangible illustration of what the kingdom, of being devoted to God looks like for the world to see. God's love tangibly, heaven and earth meeting in us and among us. That's what God wanted from the beginning. What he wanted to Adam and Eve, you know, go multiply my image around the world. That's what he wanted in Abraham. Go be a blessing to everyone. I'll deal with the people who curse you or aren't right or... You see that image and that idea. It's what he does when he brings the the nation of Israel to the promised land. He gives them the crossroads of the known world, the fertile crescent, so that they will spread what it means to be in the kingdom of God. He he even tells them, I chose you because you are weak, not because you're a great nation, because you're weak. That It is that same story, that same idea again. You're to be the illustration and the image of it. And we get caught up with what we think that means and what we want that to mean and how it should look and what we would do if we were God. And I still struggle with it. But ultimately, God wants to cultivate that trust in us wants us to trust. God wanted Adam and Eve to trust him for God wanted Abraham to trust him the first time and not get pieces of it wrong and come up with his own plan over and over in Scripture. We see when people come up with their own interpretation or their own plan or how their their own strategy for accomplishing God's purpose. We get it wrong. It doesn't mean don't try. It doesn't mean don't follow, but Letting the Spirit lead, trusting God. Because you know the truth is, how, how many times have people try to figure out when the end is going to be, or when the kingdom is coming, or what that even means, or what what God is up to doing in the world? Coming up with dates of when Jesus is returning, how whatever whatever way you want to package that, that's been going on forever, and we get it wrong over and over and over. Because Jesus said, "You're, you're not going to know." And he never tells them. Doesn't answer their question, but what he does tell them is that when the Spirit comes and the Spirit is at work in you, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all of Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. He doesn't tell them you might be. He doesn't tell them you should be. He tells them you will be. That is going to be the bigger piece of the story. That's part of the unveiling. God is going to get his kingdom and his rule and his image spread around the world. We get the invitation to be part of it, but it's going to happen. But he doesn't tell them how. Doesn't tell us how. Although I wish, you know, so many times, I wish he would then when you back off and you think about it in scripture of you know where did when god does tell people what's going up he's just you know earlier in luke's gospel he's told peter you know you're the rock you're, you're you're the one when peter has the great affirmation and says you know you're the messiah great on that faith i'm going to build my church you're the rock and just celebrating him so the next thing, you know, Peter's, wow, I'm the rock. And then tells Jesus when he says he's going to die, no, that's not going to happen. Lord, that's not going to happen. And Jesus then calls him Satan, get behind me. Or he tells Peter at the Last Supper, you're, you think you're going to die for me, but you know, you're going to deny me. I don't know. I mean, I'm not God. I can't even pretend to be, but maybe he didn't tell us all the pieces because we wouldn't want to know them. You know, part of how Israel, part of how the disciples, not Israel, the disciples, end up being the witnesses to the ends of the earth. I mean, if he did tell them, it may go a little like this. Well, the Spirit's going to come and you're going to, instead of going and being witnesses, you're going to camp out in Jerusalem and you're going to just stay and then you're going to be feeding tables and sharing meals together and you're going to overlook some some of the people and so you're going to have to pick, you know, some spirit-filled table servants to to then share and one of those at one point is going to get up and and get an opportunity to get arrested and going to going to preach the gospel and he's going to get stoned to death because he's going to preach the gospel and out of your fear of persecution that is when you're going to flee Maybe I wouldn't want to know that. Maybe there's pieces of it where he says, yes, you're going to be my witnesses. But sometimes it's going to be the Holy Spirit working in us and through us. And as I so many times say, often in spite of us. And if if God had told me, well, here's what you're going to do, and here's how it's all going to work out, and here's where you're going to fail, Chuck, I might try not to fail there. But as I think back, you know, if God said, well, here's the thing you're going to refuse to do out of fear, and you're going to be scared to step out in faith, and so I'm going to have to use somebody else to do that, and you're going to have to wait, and and then there'll be a moment, maybe you'll learn to, to do it or not do it. Those are also the moments that God does the most work in me those are also the moments that I've learned faith and trust in a different way those are also the moments as we look at what we, what we read and, and have been taught, talked about the last two weeks in John's gospel of where God prunes prunes things off that don't need to be there that, that's not painful and, and as we said plants don't prune themselves God does if God shared all of that up front, maybe we couldn't handle it. Maybe we'd try to intervene. Maybe we'd try to make it not happen. Maybe we'd try to do some other thing to be more faithful, that we're going to step out in more faith with God. And we're going to try to—we can just make a mess. Or maybe it's that we're going to make a mess. We get free will and we get the opportunity to make a mess, and then God's going to work in spite of us to try to make it happen. And God's not going to hijack our free will. We can go round and round of what the reason is, but He very clearly says here you're not going to know. But what is going to happen is you'll be my witnesses. You'll be my witness, in Jerusalem, all of Judea, the ends of the earth. And the goal is for us to be a witness to where heaven and earth meet. A witness to the good news of the gospel. A witness and a testimony of what redemption looks like. A witness of what love and abiding in that love and loving one another looks like. What are, what are we a witness of? Sometimes we may become a witness to our own agendas. We may be a witness and a testimony to arguing and disagreeing and theological concepts, groups that have different theological concepts, fighting it out and disagreeing and division and and anger or politics and legislation. You can't legislate the kingdom of God. What is it that is our witness and our testimony? And so I, I think about that with then when there is the ascension and they're standing there looking up and these messengers of God say, well, what do you what are you standing up here looking for? He's gonna sit here and gaze up and are you gonna go be what it is God's invited you to be? Are you gonna go wait, wait for the spirit, and then be the witnesses and its flaws and Failings and its wonderful gifts and how it does and how the Spirit works in spite of you and all the, the journey we see of the entire book of Acts. Because see, it begins with the discussion of the kingdom of God and it ends. That's the book ends. The kingdom of God. Sometimes we have to learn to live in the kingdom of God. Learn to surrender to the Spirit. You see that all through the book of Acts. But are we going to do that? Because if you keep reading, they then devote themselves to, to prayer and worship together. And that's the other piece that's the final thought I want to have here on this Ascension Sunday. It's part of the core idea behind the Ascension. is isn't how did it look or how did it happen. But it's the idea that when we gather and when we worship, We're not just singing songs about a Jesus that died to make a way for us to go to heaven. We're not just gathering to to remind each other that God loves us and one day we'll get to... We are gathering to worship the King who is on the throne and whose spirit is in, in us and deserves our worship. When we pray the Lord's prayer and say, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, we are saying we pledge our allegiance to your kingdom. Even when sometimes we're not even sure what all that means and how that will look, but it means all the kingdoms of this world, all the stuff that we can get caught up, we want your kingdom. And sometimes we'll get it right, sometimes we'll get it wrong, but that's what we desire. And that is what we worship, and that is what we are about. Doing. It's not just remembering what Jesus did and with the hope of the promise of eternity, which those are great things, but it is worshiping our God, worshiping our God, who is Jesus, who is ruling and reigning, and his spirit is among us, and we become the, the point. The kingdom of God and, and this world and this earth connect, and we are to be witnesses illustrations of that. Let us pray. Lord, when you think about the calling, the mission, the idea of being witnesses, it it does make us aware that we cannot do it in our own strength. We so often don't feel worthy. Maybe that's why you picked such a ragtag group of disciples start it off because we're not worthy we just invite your spirit to be among us and we thank you for your redemption that is the heart of what we witness to the good news of restoration and redemption and may your spirit just be poured out among us so that we can be And trust you as King. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.